Hey there folks, Alex Lokes here, and since this is season 10 and we are revisiting 12 classic topics that never got a second episode, on today's episode we are going to be talking about lens systems and specifically the idea of investing in lenses rather than camera bodies. So we're going to roll the intro and get into it. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. Okay, and we're back. So one of the great things about photography today is that there are a lot of camera systems out there. There are a lot of cameras out there. And there, more importantly, there are a lot of lenses out there. And I know I'm one of the people, and as are the rest of the team here, Jess, Bill, and James, who have a wide selection of lenses available to them. Some of us have multiple systems, but we're going to be sticking to the ones that we know and love the best. So we're going to start with Jess and the Canon FD system. Okay, yeah, I actually did like a little inventory because I didn't know how many lenses I actually had. And so I have eight uh, and none of them are zoom lenses. They're all uh, prime. Uh, and so I've got from 24 to 100 millimeter. I'm not going to list them all out because that might get a little boring for people. Um, but I've got a bunch of different focal lengths and I'm going to talk about my three favorites. Uh, rather than going into too much behind the FD lens specifically, because there's so many different versions um, and it can get a little bit confusing, especially if you're a beginner. Um, but I'm going to talk about my three favorites and they are from, uh, check my notes quick. Okay. So I have one from the second generation and two from the third. And I would suggest just getting the third generation those are the black lens all black lenses the second and first generations were the ones with the either the chrome uh breech ring or also the chrome nose so they were called the chrome nose lenses um but my three favorites are the 24 millimeter the uh 2.8 uh 50 millimeter 1.4 and the 85 millimeter 2.8 and I don't really like I just kind of fell into some of these lenses. The 50 millimeter 1.4 was the only one that I actually specifically went out and bought myself because everyone needs to start off with a good 50 millimeter lens. The nifty 50. Uh, that is what will just get you going. Um, and so for me, I really needed the 1.4 because I was shooting my festival project at the time and I was doing a lot of indoor or nighttime photography. And I really needed that that extra little bit of light that the 1.4 would give me. Now, you have to be very, very careful when you're focusing at 1.4, but it generally works pretty well. I didn't really have too many problems, so that was really good. But uh, I did need that extra little bit above the 1.8, which sounds kind of weird. But when you're pushing film and especially color film, that extra little bit of light does help a lot. Uh, the 24 millimeter was actually a gift from a good friend of mine. And it's one lens that I'm never, ever going to give up because he gave it to me. Um, but I kind of fell into that one. It was actually Jody, my other half, uh, who started using that lens first. And he passed it to me one day when we were at a punk show, because I was right up front. And he was like, here, try this. 
And oh my God, it changed everything. It is the best lens to bring into a show. Um, because I find that the 28, I don't know why I think this, but I find sometimes the 28 can have a little bit of distortion that the 24 just doesn't have. I'm not, I can't explain why. And I don't even know if it's actually true. It's just from my own personal experience. I find sometimes a 28 millimeter would distort things when the 24 millimeter doesn't. You can get really nice and close in on people or in the crowd. You can get right in the middle of everything. It's such a great lens for, for show photography. Um, and my third favorite lens is the 85 millimeter 2.8, uh, 1.8, sorry, 1.8. Um, that lens is so fantastic. I actually got it for $25 at a value village. <laughs> and yes, I know. <laughs> it's just such a great lens. Um, and it actually came at the time it came with a Nikon lens. I do not remember which one it was. I do know it had the bunny ears. But my friend had a Nick or Matt camera at the time. So I passed that along to her. And I kept the Canon 85 millimeter. And I'm so glad I kept that lens because it is probably my favorite lens. Like my go-to is the 50 millimeter, but the 85 is my favorite lens. That is just so beautiful. I love every single shot I get. It is super sharp. Um, and it's a really nice focal length to have when you want to have a little bit of distance in your subject. Uh, and it also compresses the background really nicely. Like you can get really, really good both. It's just a really great lens. So those are my three favorites when shooting with the Canon FD. That's a really good selection. And yeah, the 85 millimeters, they're just, I'm, I'm starting to get back into my love of 85s. So they're fantastic, aren't they? They are. They're, they're really handy. They are my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I got like the a new FD eighty five one eight when I bought my Canon new F one AE off James a few years ago, um, and a twenty four two eight. I like I have the breech lock version with the SSC coating, and yeah, that's one of my favorite lenses too. Um, now, one Canon lens I really do love is the thirty five F two chrome nose, and that's the one I want. I have a so, 35, but it's the F3.5. And yeah. I'm like, no, that's not good, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I want the F2 so badly. I got lucky. I bought mine off my brother. Oh, perfect. <laughs> it's go. got the thorium glass. It's got the built-in yellow filter. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Bonus contrast. Yeah. yeah. Now, if there there's one lens system that has sort of a certain cachet about it, known for incredible sharpness, it's the Olympus Suico glass. And Bill, you are, you are like me, a band of many systems, but you love your Olympus. Yeah, sadly, I kind of packed all my Olympus, for those in the studio audience, uh, I am planning to move in a few months. So all my Olympus gear is packed away. I, I miss it terribly. But uh, so, you know, if you're someone who's got an OM1 or an OM2N or OM1N and, and an OM2N, it doesn't matter. So uh, what lenses should you invest in uh, for um, your system? Um, and this is going to sound like everyone goes gaga for the 514s. The Olympus system has a, a, a series of 514s, like the Chrome Nose gets a bad rap because of the single coating. But if you're looking for a very vintage look, don't knock it. It actually does deliver. I shot Ektar 100 with it a few summers ago, and it looked great. Uh, the one, the 51.8s, they're 
bit lighter. If you're one for traveling light, then yeah, roll with the 51.8s. They're actually sharper across the lens than say the 51.4 wide open. The one you want is the MC coated made in Japan. It has says made in Japan on the, on the lens front. And it's just sort of like everyone's the, the real hardcore is uh, Olympus shooters will say, yeah, look for that lens because it's, it's sort of, it delivers and it delivers really well. Uh, so if you're starting with a nifty 50, yeah, the 51 eights are generally quite inexpensive. Now, if you're going for a telephoto lens, the 102.8 is a really lovely lens. It, it is super compact. And, you know, if you're traveling, if anyone's seen the Canon 101, you know, 105.28 or the Nikkor 105.2.5, they're bigger lenses. You know, but the Olympus ones, they're small. And, you, you know, if uh, weight is a factor, that's something also to keep in mind. If you're a little more budget minded, uh, the one in 35 2.8 is a really great telephoto lens. I would also look into even the, the 200 F4 if you're looking for just primes. Now, on the wide side of things, uh, if you're on a budget, the 28 3.5, uh, which has a certain cachet in certain parts of the world. I know in Japan, Olympus shooters love the 28 3.5. The 28 2.8, again, another solid lens. The 24 2.8 is a great lens. One that I keep hemming and hawing on is the 2135, which I might get this year or not. Who knows? Um, and now, in terms of zoom lenses, now this is something we never really talked about. Uh, with the Zoico made a, a really lovely 35 to 70 f3.6. So, if you're one for traveling, say, oh, I don't know, you're going to Greece for the summer, so you don't need low light in Greece in July or August or even early September for that matter. So a 35 to 70, 3.6, you can run with uh, something a bit wider, like a 24 lens, and then maybe the 135 at the other end to cover the long stuff. And that's your kit right there. Um, and that's a great uh, a great combo. Now, Olympus, when you get outside of the uh, normal lenses, you, know, you get ones like the, the, the 35 F2, it's a bit more of a character lens. I own a copy. I like it. I like it for sort of walk around stuff in Toronto when you sort of need, a, especially the older parts of Toronto where you need a little more, a wider lens because you need to push more into the photo, so to speak. Um, then you get also weird ones like the 24F2, which if you've got the money, okay. <laughs> and then there's the, 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 the uh, Grail 40F2 pancake, which is I haven't even looked at what they go for these days. It's just silly money. And I kind of look at it going, yeah, I don't need that much. <laughs> and in the end, also, I think they also have the 60 to 200 F4, F4, I think, zoom lines, which is also a solid. So, so we could, I have not come across a bad lens. It's just when you get out of some of the more common lenses, the price goes up very fast. And thankfully, the motion picture people haven't quite discovered it just yet with Canon. And I, um, the one thing you mentioned about the uh, 51.8 being sharper than the 1.4, I found that when you compare the two side by side, there's a certain snap to the images taken on the 1.8 compared yeah. to the 1.4. 
And if you nail your focus just right, you get that swirly out of focus rendering if you're mm-hmm. shooting wide open. Yeah. So, uh, so if you're say you're new to Olympus, you got your on one or and or on the fifty one eight, a twenty eight or a twenty four, and the one hundred two point eight. If you're looking for the three lens kit, and then you can sort of build out from there to start. Yeah, I got to say, if I wasn't so invested in the Canon FD series for my F1, um, I think that the OM series would be where I'd go next because I love my OM-1N. It is such a nice, light little camera, a -hmm. great one to travel with. And I can usually get like... 37 exposures 38 even you're sometimes. not the only one i found that too <laughs> yeah and the lenses are just amazing like again i haven't found a bad zuiko lens either uh one of the ones that i've actually been lusting after is the 85 but it's so expensive i think it's like four to six hundred dollars or something yeah it's that crazy. has gone up you're better the 102.8 is again my one of my favorite tellies and you can't go wrong with it especially for shooting portraits or using it for selective landscape work, it it shines. Yeah, I've been told that before. So I have been looking at that one because I think I can find one for, you know, between 100 to $200, which is totally right. reasonable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, more than that. And like the 85, it's beautiful, but. It's a nice to have. I saw it once years ago. And even then I was like, I think it was 10 years ago. No, a bit longer than and this is like maybe 10, 15 years ago, it was going for 300 bucks. Mm. Yeah. Now it's like, I don't know, 600. And the yeah. 40 pancake, oh my God, forget about it. That's why I got an RC actually, because that one's the fixed lens 40, uh, 40. I don't remember if it's a 40 or a 42, but then I figure, well, I've got the focal length with Olympus and I can have fun with the little rangefinder. But, um, but I, I stopped looking for it for the OM. <laughs> 40 millimeter, I have a Voigtlander for Nikon manual focus door now. And I've been shooting with the Rolly 35s, which are all 40 millimeter. And again, it's that in between, just slightly wider than normal. Yeah, Yeah, it's a fun focal length. Mm -hmm. Oh, it is. And up until now, we've been talking completely manual focus. And we got one more manual focus system to go. But before that, we're going to get James Lee in and do the autofocus Nikon system. Well, I am a Nikon fanboy, um, so (laughs) um, it's kind of fitting. Um, In the Nikon family, there's essentially, um, well, I I don't even really know if categories is the right term to use, but let's just say there's there's two terminologies used for their autofocus lenses, and it's really the D-type and the G-type. And there are some differences between the two. Um, You're both lenses measure um, subject uh, distance um, to the camera um, and, you know, relay that information back to the metering system, the color, the 3D color matrix metering system, et cetera, um, you know, to calculate really, really fast autofocus. What you'll find in the D-type lenses is they don't have any um, internal motors to them. So they're driven off. The autofocus motor is actually inside the camera body. Um, so not all, all um, uh, of the some of the modern digital early on digital cameras actually were not compatible with the D type lenses because they didn't have the little motor and the little sort of nub that stuck out to to wind the actual uh, autofocus uh, in the lens. Uh, the other type, of course, is the G type lens, and, and and there's so much debate about what G actually stands for. Nikon's never really been clear as to you know what the 
the, the, the nomenclature around G is, but G does the same thing. Uh, it calculates subject distance to the camera, um, but it also has the ability to help determine ambient um, uh, flash exposure and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's a little bit of a newer technology. Um, those lenses uh, have built-in uh, autofocus motors. So they have essentially two types, AFI and AFS. Um, an AFI is an internal motor and the AFS um, is a little bit newer, the, the um, uh, silent wave motor. And then of course they, they came up with a third one called uh, uh, AFP and those use what are called stepper motors and they work a lot faster and you're going to find those in anything after the year 2017. The two previous versions and the initial ones with the internal focus were came out in 92 and then the AFS came out um, in 98. So that's kind of the nerd nerdvana of Nikon autofocus. But more importantly, you know, to the lenses themselves. So we've all heard of sort of the Nikon Trinity, um, which is sort of more of a modern uh, ish set of lenses that sort of that came out uh, in the early 2000s with the onset of digital cameras, the F6, um, which is not digital, of course, but you know, when the, when the D1 and the D2 uh, came out, and the D200, etc. Uh, Nikon came out with a series of three lenses. They came out with focal lengths going from 14 millimeters to 200 millimeters divided into three separate lenses. One was the 1424, the other the 2470, and the uh, pardon me, the 70 to 200. Um, all super great professional lenses, excellent resolution rendering, really, really good all around um, image quality. So for any professional photographer, kind of where you would start if you wanted to have that kit. Now in the film world, um, it has some limited applications because you could really only use it with essentially three sort of well-known film cameras. Um, and that would be the Nikon F100, the F5, and of course the F6. I think there was some compatibility with some of their um, uh, like F4, I don't know if the F401 could have handled it or not, to be honest. Um, um, the sure. F401 could, because the F401 was the first one that had on-camera controls for both aperture and shutter. Um, the F80, they'll work on as right. well. Yeah, there you go. Um, F65, I'm not sure. I haven't tested tested it on that. Yeah, and so that's one of the key differences too with the G-type lens. It does not have an aperture ring on the lens. They are controlled by the camera body. So in order to, you can't, you know, you can't step down meter with them. You have no control um, using the, there is just, there is just no aperture ring. So you you can't do it unless you've got a dial on the camera. Um, unlike the D lenses that still retained the uh, aperture ring, you could use that lens on pretty much, um, you know, Outside of the earlier F, uh, like AI and AIS bodies, you know, any body that came after that, um, you can use that lens. Um, with that lens in particular, if if your camera has um, on-camera um, autofocus, or pardon me, um, aperture control, you have to stop the aperture all the way down on the lens for it to work properly. It'll throw you an error code if you don't. So if you see something funny, just close the lens down and it should work. Uh, no problem. In fact, you'll see on some of those lenses, they have a little switch to lock the uh, the aperture ring down. Um, 
aside from the trinity uh there's a lot there's a whole plethora of nikon autofocus lenses to choose from out there um, i'm going to stick with primarily the fx lenses so i'm going to stay away from you know the cropped sensor digital lenses um one of my favorites two of my favorites actually are the um uh 105 macro and of course the 85 1.4 the 85 1.4 as a portrait shooter for me is one of my favorite lenses and i also like to shoot portraits with the um the um micro nikkor or their, or their macro lens the uh 105 um uh, macro lens which actually shoots some really really good uh, portraits that uh, you know for a macro lens you think why would I want to shoot a portrait with a macro lens but the center sharpness of that lens compared to the edge sort of um, out of focus areas or blur is fantastic it's just a really nice really nice rendering um, there's a ton of them out there uh, you know, a great all-around lens that I don't think is talked about enough. It's probably one of the more popular lenses. Maybe it's more popular in the prosumer world and not so much in sort of the film world is the Nikon 24 to 120 F4 uh, that has VR or um, uh, uh, vibration uh, reduction or, you know, it's Nikon's version of, of in-lens image stabilization, which is a really terrific feature to have, especially if you're shooting F4 in a lower light situation. It'll help you with camera shake and that sort of thing. But, you know, having a, a, cons a constant aperture lens uh, at F4, which isn't bad, um, all the way from 24 to 120, I mean, like, talk about your perfect travel setup. So, you know, unlike your sort of Trinity lenses where, you know, they are pro construction. So, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, cast aluminum, metal barrels, things like that. Like these things are boat anchors because they are so damn heavy, you know, and they're meant to be balanced against a big pro body. So, you know, putting that on a lighter, um, film camera is just going to feel a little bit awkward. So uh, for, you know, if, you, if you're shooting film, my recommendation, stay with a D-type lens. Number one, you're going to get a better price than you will on the newer, uh, on the newer, um, uh, you know, AFPs and things like that. Um, you know, you don't need the Holy Trinity. Uh, there's a great uh, like previous version, the 17 to 35 2.8, I think is a really good bargain um, for a great all around professional, um, you know, sort of workhorse. Like if you're doing street photography, if you're doing photojournalist type of approach, things like that, like having that focal length, that 17 to 35 is really, you know, a terrific uh, range to be in. So, yeah, I mean, don't get lost in the Nikon lens world. Think about what's in your budget. Think about the minimum focal length that you want and the maximum focal length that you want. And you can find a combination of two or three lenses that will just work for you. And if they happen to be a 51.4 um, and an 85 1.4 or an 85 1.8, I mean, it's worth it to get the 50 the 51.4 versus the 51.8. I mean, it's a difference of a few dollars. Get the 1.4, you'll be happier for it. And if you don't want to blow your brains out on an 85 1.4, get an 85 1.8 D-type autofocus lens. Those two lenses on, you know, like an F100, F, F80, um, hey, an F6, F5, any one of those cameras, 
uh, hey, you're you're made in the shape. You've got everything covered with really superior uh, image quality for not too much money. Yeah, and if even D-type lenses can get pretty expensive, you can go for the um, older non-D lenses if flash isn't really your thing. Yes, um, one thing to note is that there's an even newer um, E-type lens from Nikon, and they've done away with the mechanical aperture control. It's strictly electronic, and it's not compatible with any film camera. You need to have oh, your camera made after 2015 for it to work. So it won't even work with the F6. Oh, huh, cool. Yeah. Uh, another really good um, lens is a 28 to 70 um, D-type. It's yes. an F2.8. Um, one thing to watch out for is that it's very first generation of the um, AFS, mm -hmm. and the motors do tend to die, like on mine. Oh, there you go. So I now have a very nice manual focus zoom lens okay but it works and it even works really well on like my d750 um i use it at weddings um, yeah but that 17 to 35 2.8 is definitely a uh, very very tempting yeah and and another one to throw in that category is the super sharp really well priced 80 to 200 2.8 mm, yeah mm. you know low expersion uh you know expersion glass and all that stuff and yeah like Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Nikon oh, yeah. has always been, you know, fantastic. their ultra wide offerings have always been superb. Oh yeah. Like I tried my to... brother's 20 to 35 once dangerous piece of glass. It's an <laughs> AFD of course. And I was running it on my F5 and it's just like hello. But then it was like, Oh, this thing's a, it's, it's a tank of a lens. Absolutely. So, so yes, um, and now, um, like like Jess, um, I have a very extensive manual focus Nikon system. I have eight lenses in it as well, um, covering 24 millimeters to 200 millimeters. Um, and most of it is either AI or AIS. And for those who are into history, AI stands for automatic indexing. And this was the second generation of manual focus lenses that took away the requirement of having the claw or bunny ears to interface with the metering. It used this simple machined out piece on the aperture ring and a follower lug on the mount itself. Most AI and AIS lenses still have that bunny ear in place for backwards compatibility. Um, except if you're going with the Series E or if someone has removed that bunny ear from the camera lens itself, in the case of one of mine. AIS lenses were um, introduced to allow um, certain cameras to automatically go for a high-speed program mode for longer lenses, so it would automatically bump the shutter speed up to avoid camera shake. Um, but you need anything, an FA will do it. And another interesting note, any AF or AFD lenses are also AIS lenses. You'll see on them, you'll see on the aperture ring, there's actually uh, two pre-drilled dents where you can actually attach bunny ears to your autofocus lenses for backwards compatibility. And you'll see that scallop um, milled out of the uh, lens mount itself. So since I have eight, um, I'm going to pick um, about the uh, four that I use the most. 
Um, we're going to start with the 24 millimeter. Um, mine is an AI version um, because if you're shooting wide angle, you don't need to spend the money on AIS. Um, F2.8, it's a wonderful lens. There's a bit of distortion if you're focused in close, so, um, but it's not too, too bad. I just really like it for landscape, um, cityscapes where I'm working in a really narrow, narrow street, like some of the historic towns here in Ontario. Um, the next up is another AI, and that's the 28 millimeter. I have the F3.5 version of it. Um, first of all, you can get that one for under a hundred bucks on the used market. And even when you shoot it wide open, you get no fall off or vignetting at the edges like you do with um, the F2.8 or F2 version. Um, next up is the 35 millimeter. Now this one is an AIS version and there's a lot of controversy around the F2.8 35 millimeter because the later versions of this lens, and I can't remember, it's after a certain serial number, they actually reduce the number of lens elements in it. And people say that it reduces the image quality. I've shot it on both my digital, um, my D750 and my manual focus Nikons, and I've really never seen that. The nice thing is that you can get it for a fair price. Um, of course, I have the 51.4. It's just a classic AIS uh, Nikon lens. It was actually one of the first ones I got. I got this one for free with um, a Nikon F3 kit. And um, also the next one, the 105 2.5. You can't go wrong with a 105 2.5. I use it a lot for street photography and portraiture, both on my, um, my FE2 and my D750. And yeah, those are those are the ones I use the most. I also have the 135 and the 200. Those, the 200 is really, I, I don't really have a use for it, but it was a good price for the 200 F4 AIS. And the 85 F2 is a new one. And that's one I really want to start working with more. Um, again, getting back into using the 85 a little bit more, great for street photography, portrait work. And it's just that classic Nikon lens because it's really the focal length and the aperture that really put Nikon on the map. And it's a different lens formula from the original rangefinder one. So Bill, if you're looking for a good lens to add to your Nikon rangefinder kit, find an 85 millimeter F2. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that, the the rangefinder uh system is a recent addition to my and that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down yeah and, and it was funny if you know i asked me last spring oh are you gonna get a like a range i was just whatever and june july boom i wound up with two of them and i built a, lens, a three lens kit with a 35 2.5 the 50 f2 and the 51 4 and of course the legendary 105.25 and i'm sort of hemming and hawing whether to get a 28 lens i've I got to do more research on that. The 85, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I got to think about that. <laughs> and and the one nice thing about all my Nikon manual focus lenses from the 24 to the 200, all of them use a 52 millimeter filter. I don't know how Nikon did it, but I have one filter kit that I can bring along and it'll work on every lens. I don't have to worry about bringing all the filters. I love Nikon for that because Olympus, as much as I love the glass, there are a couple lenses. It's like, because generally Olympus runs 49 millimeters across the board, save for 
Uh, I think the 185 35.28 is 55 millimeter, the 35 F2 is 35 millimeter, and I think the 60 200 F4 is a 55 or a 50. It's been a couple of months since I last saw that lens, so yeah, be gentle on me. It's my hazy Gen X. <laughs> yeah, Nikon is very good at that. They did that with their with their um, modern professional glass as well. Everything mm -hmm. is all big glass, seventy seven millimeter, with the exception, of course, of the of the fifty millimeter um, one point four, which I think is some fifty two. Is it 52? And yeah. I think that I'm not sure if the 35 is an oddball um, filter the size. 35 F2 is also 52. But yeah, the 35 F2, there's a couple different versions. The 35 F2D, also a terrific uh, mm, love line. Well, for, for a few hundred dollars, that's a really nice piece of glass. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure for the AF, like the AFS or AF, AF, AFP lens, what the mm -hmm. diameter was. But anyway. Yeah. And that's what Canon got wrong with all the FD lenses is that the older versions, like the first versions, I think that they were 55 millimeter filter size. Yeah, you're correct. And then the later ones were 52. So I've got fil I've got a whole bunch of filters in all different sizes and I never knew <laughs> who well, went yeah, to bring and, and it's so frustrating. It's annoying when they go um, up in size and you and the and the smaller diameter comes out first because well okay well what am i going to do you know i it's much easier to use a step down ring obviously mm -hmm. or you know i guess a whatever step like, up step always up step ring. up never step down your filters yeah. yeah so you know it's much easier to you know you can throw a 77 millimeter filter on a 58 millimeter lens or a 55 millimeter lens without you know be a bit awkward but it, you know without it'll work for you obviously you can't go the other way so <clears throat> Yeah, um, Minolta was also guilty of that as well. Yeah, both in manual focus and autofocus. Yeah, let's let's not let's just make life interesting for our yeah. customers. A lot of them are forty nine, but then there's um, some fifty five thrown in there as well. Yeah, the and... fifty five was the MC Roker, then the MD Roker was mostly forty nine, and then yeah, same on the if... autofocus side. Lots of forty nine, <laughs> some fifty fives. So it's just all over the place. Okay, so that's 35 millimeter covered, but we also are medium format shooters. So we're going to start on the oddball in this case, and that's Mr. James Lee, who is bucking the trend and shooting the Pentax 672. So what lenses do you recommend people invest in with just the Pentax 67 system? Sure. Well, fortunately, I am also an oddball, so it's only fitting that I, I shoot an oddball. I, I don't know. Is it an oddball system? Yeah, I suppose. It's kind of an... I mean, We're you all strange here. Fair enough. But you, you certainly look odd walking around with that uh, monstrosity of a uh, of what appears to be a 35-millimeter camera um, that had far too much for breakfast and a little too much at the buffet. Um but anyways, uh, so where to start? So it depends, I guess, on what kind of photographer you are. Um, if you're a portrait shooter, by all means, start with the, you know, sort of the, the king of the most famous lens is the 105 2.4. Um, and that is really um, an ideal sort of portrait um, ish lens and I say portrait ish lens because it's really a 52 um, at 50, it's a 52.5 millimeter equivalent in the um, 
uh, in the 35 millimeter equivalency world. So um, all six by seven lenses is essentially a 0.5 crop factor. So whatever focal length you have divided by two, and that kind of gives you the range of your, of what it would be like in shooting the same focal length in a 35 millimeter system. Um, why is this lens such a favorite lens amongst portrait shooters? Well, I think the light fall off characteristics are really unique to the lens. Uh, it just has a really natural uh, gradation of the light value changes from the center of the lens to the edges of the frame. So it gives you um, a unique vignetting, like very similar to like what you would find. I'm not the same, I'm saying similar type of feel, um, like what you would find in a, in a really good quality, like a lens, like a Summicron or something like that. You know, it's not over the top it's kind of just balanced really really well um and of course the out of focus areas do the same thing as well so you know it couples the the nice out of focus areas with the light value fall off as well so it just makes for a really nice combination you know being able to shoot in that sort of normal range with this type of focal length is also really helpful that makes it useful so it's not a bad place to start for kind of an all-around, um, I'm going to shoot people and things kind of approach. Um, if you're going to be more of a sort of street shooter, uh, somebody that's kind of, you know, likes that, let's say, 24 to 35 millimeter focal length, like, you you know, you but you want a really big negative, um, and certainly you want to be noticed because the mirror slap on that camera, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's like, it's, it's 3.5 on the Richter scale every time you, uh, every time you take a photo. Um, but that would be the, um, uh, the Takumar, um, uh, 30, 3.5, 55, um, a millimeter, uh, uh, lens. And that's an equivalent to about a 28 millimeter uh, lens so perfect for street photography perfect i think for landscape photography perfect for group uh portraits great walking around lens um it's it's about the same length um of the uh 105 2.4 it's a bit heavier than the 105 2.4 um it's one of these sort of all metal aluminum barreled construction lenses Look, if you're shooting a, a Pentax 67 system, weight is not your concern, or at least um, uh, it's not an, it's not a concern until it gets too heavy anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, your chiropractic bills might become your concern with this system. But with, you know, as far as, you know, the lens and sort of balance on the camera, uh, the 55 2.8 is a great uh, piece of glass to have. Um, a lot of people uh, like there's a uh, there's a 200 millimeter f4 I believe that's a real popular lens. I don't have it, so I can't really tell you too much about it. Um, I have uh, four lenses for my system. That's the 28 3.5, the 105 2.4, and I have a 100 millimeter uh, f4 macro. Um, and I have the cool thing about this lens that I have is I have a one to one. Um, uh, filter on that I can put on the front of the macro lens that gives me one-to-one -one macro rendering on a huge ass negative like that. Now, the focal range is, you know, it's very, like the depth of field is so small. Um, like, you know, you you really kind of got to shoot it on a tripod um, to, you know, really sort of 
give your best, give yourself the best chance of, of creating a sharp image because the mirror slap is, is a lot on this camera. It's heavy. Um, you know, even on a tripod, you kind of want to, you don't want to have it on a ball head. You kind of want to have it on your sort of older style lever type of head with all the clamps and everything you want to actually, if you're shooting macro with this lens and this camera, um, weigh the tripod down with sandbags, uh, because the mirror slap is really, it is a factor, um, with this system. The other lens that I have with this is, is, um, <laughs> what I would sort of hesitantly call, um, uh, Pentax, Pentax is, um, uh, version of a travel lens. Um, I'm holding up uh, 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 this lens um, for the folks on the Zoom call here. Uh, this thing I'm going to say is about three and a half, four inches in diameter. Um, and it's going to be about eight inches long. And I mean, you know, it it's not compact whatsoever, but this is a... Uh, this is a um, uh, a 90 to 180 sort of walking around everything you could kind of want, you know, from, you know, like a 45 millimeter to a 90 millimeter conversion to a 35 millimeter um, focal length. Um, decent quality lens uh, in terms of image quality. Uh, it's actually um, amongst the lighter um lenses believe it or not uh for number one being a zoom lens and having all those elements of glass and that sort of thing in it um it's got it's it's it is a metal it's metal and plastic construction so maybe that's where the lightness comes in from uh you know good lens um great to walk around with i don't use it too too much because for me, I'm typically using two out of these four lenses. I'm using the the 55 3.5 and the 105 2.4. And if I take when I take this camera on the system on a photo walk, um, if I'm feeling energetic, I'll throw the macro in there. But rarely will I travel with this zoom lens because um, you know I have it covered with the other lenses anyway. And this isn't exactly a travel system. To be honest, I probably wouldn't have bought this 90 to 180. It just kind of came with the whole kit when I went to. Burlington camera and then Joan decided well she's found another victim I mean customer um so yeah but anyway if you're going to get into the Pentax 67 system two two that I would recommend 55 3.5 super low cost entry point by the way um, and you're going to spend a little bit more money around a thousand bucks to start for a decent condition 105 2.4 nice <clears throat> yeah that's that's a Another very tempting, uh, tempting kit. Yeah. And of course, um, if you if you want to put filters on this on this glass, yeah, start saving your money. And sticking with the 6.7 format, um, Jess's favorite camera to wander around in the woods is the RB 6.7. Well, I actually wanted to ask James how much the Pentax 6.72 weighs, like uh, roughly. Well, with the 105, okay, with the 105 2.4, my guess is about two and a half, three pounds, maybe four. I will weigh this and I will, uh, Alex can put it in the show notes. Awesome. I'd like to know. So if the Pentax 672 is a camera that's had a little too much for breakfast, I think the RB67 is on steroids. <laughs> that thing, if you know the RB67, you know that that's a hunking beast of a camera. It's not light. It's There's nothing small about it. Um, but it's my favorite camera. 
it is so beautiful and the lenses are just absolutely amazing. Uh, so I actually only have three different lenses for my system for now. Uh, there may be plans to get more eventually, but I started with three and I'd say it's pretty much probably where I would recommend anyone starting with the RB67 to go. I have the 65 millimeter Secor. I have the 90 millimeter, excuse me, 90 millimeter Secor C and the 180 millimeter Secor C. That should pretty much cover just about all bases. And I don't want to go too much into the different lens generations here either, because uh, the Mamiya is, of course, a wonderful system, but confusing as well, because there's multiple generations of the camera and there's multiple generations of lenses. Uh, but I have the Pro S version. And like I said, I have one Secor lens and one Secor C lens. The difference in those is that the Secor C are multi-coded and the Secors are not. And I would definitely recommend sticking with the Secor Cs uh, because that coating is really nice. Um, and my 65 millimeter, because it doesn't have that coating, I have to be very careful how I shoot it uh, because I'd either need to buy a really good UV filter to be able to point, say, towards the sun so that I can reduce the flaring or fogging um, or also invest in a lens hood. Uh, the lens hood that I have is only good for the 90 or the 180. Uh, so the 65, I actually use relatively sparingly, but every time I do use it, I absolutely love it. And I'm really glad that I have it for those really nice big, big trees in the woods when I have to try to get the whole thing in one frame. Uh, the lens that I use the most is the 90. That's pretty much the classic lens on the RB system. And my favorite thing about that lens is that because it's super versatile, I can also get in super close with tiny, tiny little details on the forest floor, which is one of my new favorite things to do. Um, because the RB system has the bellows, it really allows me to get in super close every time I get a nice shot close up on a small item like a like a mushroom say people think that I've taken it with a macro lens but I don't actually have I don't I think the RB system has a macro lens but I'm not sure and I think it's pretty rare if it does exist and probably extremely expensive so I'll just stick with the 90 because it seems to work really well for me um, and the 180 is the lens that I'll use probably the second most uh, so for me, it would go 90, 180, 65. The 180 is such a gorgeous lens. It really helps me to, you know, if I want a little bit of distance in, with my subjects, but also really want to compress that background, get some really nice bokeh, uh, especially when I'm shooting fall colors, because it really blends the colors in nicely in the background. Uh, it's such a great lens to use. And I also really like using the 180 when I pop my Polaroid back on to the back of the RB um, because that's a nice one to be able to shoot from like the side of the road or whatever when I want to use it handheld, which is weird because it is my biggest lens. So you wouldn't normally use that one handheld, but that seems to be the system the way that I like to use it. Um, but there's all kinds of other really great lenses. Uh, I'm probably going to end up getting the 50 millimeter at some point because... Why not? Um, the 127, the 250. I mean, might as well get one of each, right? <laughs> I'm this far invested in the Mamiya system. I might as well get them all. Absolutely. So yeah, there's the 140 millimeter macro. That's it. Yes. And depending on which version you get, eBay prices are showing 
between 390 US, but you can get older ones for around 200. Oh, that's not bad. And even older ones are like 132. Wow, that's interesting. (laughs) And some of them have floating elements, which is another neat little piece of... uh, so that's Technology. the 50 and the 65 that have the floating elements. Nice. Now, I, I really can't explain the technology very well. I understand how it works. I just can't actually two people. I just yeah. know it's there. Yeah. And there's an extra step you do. And I know how to do it. I just yeah, it's, tell you. It's to do with close focus. They sort of yes. adjust themselves into the right. Nikon had it for some of their wide angle options with um, their early manual focus stuff. Yeah, close yeah. range correction. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. So stepping down one size to a six by six, um, Mamiya also had the wonderful C-series TLRs, um, which are equally beasts of cameras. So Bill, tell us about that system. Oh, the C-series TLRs are a beast, but a a beast that perhaps maybe took some crossfit. for those not familiar, uh, the C-Series were a 6x6 twin lens reflex camera with interchangeable lenses. Now, again, they started with the C, you know, C, C2, C3, and then you had the C220, and then the C330. And again, they were making them up until like the early 1990s. And they came with a lens system that has started at 55 millimeters, 65, 85, 2.8, which is everyone's favorite focal length and medium format. The 105, 135, 180, and 250. Now, I have everything except the 250, which I'll get someday. Now, I, for sake of disclosure, I bought my system off my brother many moons ago, so it came pretty much included. Uh, save for the 80 lens, which I wound up spending, I think, about 400 Canadian for at the time. Now, they came in different series. Uh, the one you want is the what they call the blue dot lens. And what does that mean? Well, there's a little blue dot on the uh, shutter cocking device. That designates, yes, this has multi-coatings. Now, even then, you're still going to want to spend lens hoods. They cost money, too. Now, that said, uh, you could get away with a 65 and a 105 lens and you run with a tool lens kit and you'll be okay. Because 65 is equal to like 35 and 35 millimeter take a wee bit. And 105, just like James, it's one of those, it's slightly, like it becomes like a really short telephoto lens. And the C-series TLR is unlike Rolly Flex. You don't have to worry about how close you are. So apparently it gets a little easier. Uh, to shoot close up and or do portraits. Now, the lenses I own are, of course, the 55, 65, 85, 105, 135, which has a rather oddball construction as the, um, at least on my example, the shutter blades are outside the lens. And I was absolutely going, is it missing an element? And of course, freaking out, I did some test shots saying, yeah, it looks good. So but again, it's one of those sort of weird lenses. Do you need? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a nice to have, but you don't need to have if you've got like the 105 and the 1E. Uh, the 250 I haven't owned, haven't shot with, so I can't comment on that lens. Um, and again, all of these lenses, the way the system works, has the shutter built into the lens. 
and it's a Seiko shutter. They're generally very robust. Yes, you're going to have to CLA them once in a while. I had one where I think it was the 80 I bought, and it turns out uh, it hadn't been serviced in a while. And it's like, you know, they were kind of amazed what they used for lubricating the system. It's like, I haven't seen this in a long time, graphite. I think it was Roger from Camtech who did the service. <laughs> but that said, it is, um, it's an interesting lens system. Uh, and again, if the, for those who do shoot in the Mia TLR, they know and understand. Like the end results speak for themselves. And I love shooting portraiture with the 105, which I haven't done in a while. I'm going to have to, my, my, my Mamiya system's at my girlfriend's place. So I have to pull that out at some, give her a workout. The 105 is a beautiful lens. And if mm -hmm. you shoot it wide open and get nail that focus, yeah, you get the swirly background. And I'm lucky that my camera is fitted with a bright screen. Yes. But no, the 55, the 80, and the 105, I think you'd be set with a, with any yeah, of the series. pretty much like the 180 is a night it, it's a nice to have like i've got it um again i can't recommend hmm? it's front heavy which is saying it something is. for big. the size of size of the camera itself it's a it's a big lens and so is the 250 like again it there again it's sort of it's funny how sort of that dated technology in some regards survived that deep into the you know the late 20th century because it was sort of like the Mamiya C series TLRs were, I think wedding photographers used them a fair bit. Guys, you know, sturdy. <clears throat> now you'll pry, pry my Roloflex from my cold dead hands, but my second favorite medium format camera when I'm not shooting my, my Roloflex is my Mamiya M645. Now I got four lenses for this kit. Um, I have the 3535N, the 4528N, the 828, and the 1535N. So like the RB series, um, there were two series of lenses for the Mamiya M645. There were the original ones or the Mamiya Secor Cs. Um, these ones you can tell because they don't have an N at the end of them, and they have the aperture value before the focal length. The newer ones, the Ns, which came out with the later second generation Mamiya 645 bodies um, were designed around the newer N1s and they just have the standard nomenclature focal length aperture value and then an N. Um, a couple of things to note um, if you are looking at investing in these lenses I highly recommend going with the N series. They're a little newer have better coating and are a little bit better build quality. Um, that being said the lens with the worst build quality is actually the 80 millimeter f 2.8. Um, the aperture spring is incredibly weak. So if you do have one, leave the switch on A for auto aperture. By flipping it back and forth, you will weaken that spring. Um, the very first version of that lens that I got came with the broken spring and they're very difficult to get repaired. A lot of people will go with the, will want the 80 millimeter F 1.9. A lot of people say that that's the most interesting lens in the kit and yeah, it's all right. The one problem is it suffers from um, haze on the rear element and it is notoriously hard to clean without doing some damage to that element. Um, that being said, if you are looking at investing in lenses for your Mamiya M645 or any of them, um, the 35 3.5N is 
excellent. Um, it's a nice ultra wide lens, gives you equivalent of about 24 millimeter. Don't quote me on that one, but it's nice and wide. Um, I really like using it for landscape, especially if I'm using infrared film, because I have that big R72 filter that I can just throw on the front of it, put it on a tripod, good to go. Um, if if ultra wide isn't your thing, the 45 2.8 is another excellent lens. It's just slightly narrower, gives you about the equivalent of maybe a 35 millimeter. So really great for um, street photography, urban scape bit of landscape as well you can't go wrong with an 80 millimeter f 2.8 i love that as a good walk around lens um the 150 i don't use it that often um but again really nice for getting in close for details good for portrait work um get the 3.5 version it has slightly better image quality than the f4 version of the lens um yeah that's that's about it. I know there's a ton more lenses out there for the M645 system, but really either the 35 or the 45, the 80 and the 150, that will get you up and running no problem. Yeah, I love my 45 millimeter lens for my M645. It's so great. Mm -hmm. it, it just gets, it. you can just get that much extra like space. It, it, I love it. Yeah, it's a really good lens. I want the 80 2.8. That's the one I don't have. So that's the one I'm going to be getting at some point, just because it's so classic. Yeah, definitely. And cheaper than the 1.9. Yes. Yes. A lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a $600 lens. <laughs> mm -hmm. That gets a hazy rear element. Yes. Well, that about covers it for this episode. Hopefully we've convinced you that maybe it's a very good idea to invest in lens systems. It definitely makes any camera you have infinitely more useful and um, lenses do take up less space in camera bodies and if you're really careful with your lens systems you can swap out the camera bodies as you see like i can use all my nikon lenses with my d750 right i can and the nice thing is that the camera body itself is really small so even those smaller manual focus lenses work really, really well. Yeah, so, I think, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I think film photography as we know it in the last, say, 15 years or so, has been more of a collector-driven type of approach compared to what it was when, you know, film photography, there was no such thing. It was just photography, you know. So people had one body and they had a bag full of lenses, you know. So it's kind of interesting. Now we have whole entire multiples, a multitude of systems to choose from. So, yeah, a bit of a different kind of shift in the paradigm. But, uh, hey, yeah. find one that works for you. Or, hey, if you like a body and you want to build around that, do that. If you find a lens and you really like that and you want to build around that lens do that whatever works and again it just it adds value right i can i can bring a camera system along traveling and know that i have everything i need and it might get boring shooting the same camera on a vacation but i know i'll get consistent results 100 percent. well that wraps it up um, my name's alex lokes as always, shoot what you love, with what you love, on what you love. Don't play into the algorithm. <laughs>
hey, this is James Lee. No matter what system you choose, um, you know, choose the one that works with your system, um, which is yourself and your your mind and your your emotions and your hands. And uh, hey, if all those things align, then that's the right system for you. As Alex says, get out and shoot what is meaningful to you and shoot who is meaning to, meaningful to you. Life is short. Enjoy yourself. This is Bill Smith, and I've probably heard it before, and I'll repeat it. Date your cameras, marry your lenses. Oh, crap. Now I have to follow Bill. <laughs> Usually it's James. Uh, well, this I'm Jess Hobbs. Uh, I don't even know what to say after all that. Um, you guys, I think, just said it all. Just grab whatever camera, whatever lenses, whatever it is you love, whatever you like shooting with, whatever you love to shoot, and get out there. Just keep creating. Never stop.